Turn down the commentating there. Everybody, welcome. It's April 28th, 2021. Uh, excuse me while I enable monetize. Link, put it on the internet. Uh, I hope we're all uh, just as intense about this. Fa the fact that uh, it appears that Canada is... Oh, did they just score? No. No. Canada is not beating Latvia 12-0 at the moment, uh, 14 minutes into the first period. So I'm going to assume that we're all going to panic, just like Swedes probably should panic after last night. If you don't know, I'm uh, being facetious. Being very, very, very facetious. Uh, that is a joke. Well, we can talk about that. Uh, we can we can talk about that, Charlie Dunk. Now, what's going on? Um, excuse me, I'm all discombobulated. I've got the Czech Republic, uh, Finland game going on, Canada Latvia game in the background of that, but I don't really care that much about what happens in that game, unless Latvia wins by some miracle. Um, but that's really it. Uh, how are we all? I'm doing fine. Busy week in the tracking world, uh, considering there was a few scouting reports ready to go. Um, not much else going on there. Just the names you see in front of you have been tracked. Uh, I did get a question from someone right uh, before the, the stream. Um, I think I know the specific person it is, but they are using a corporate account, I believe. But they run a hockey school in the south, I believe. Anyway... Uh, they asked me just to do a quick rundown of, of the metrics that I run with and, and do that are kind of unfamiliar to some people. And I guess it makes sense because some of us might be uninitiated. Um, so anyway, we'll run through the general results data and the actual tracked data very quickly and then get into the questions. So if you have questions, blast them in here uh, and I'll get to them. But let's quickly go through this because I was specifically asked about this and the person was very very nice and uh i want to help so there's two different sets of data there's one that's just general production level data that we're looking at here so this is all pulled from e elite prospects um i pull it on a habitual basis and just stuff it in a spreadsheet and feed it in other spreadsheets uh so obviously you get the basics games played game goals assists points um We'll do the, the other ones that are pretty straightforward. So S60 is shots per 60. This is even strength because it's pulled from Pick224, which is a website you should support. It's great. Uh, Dave McPherson is the man. Um, and it, uh, so, yeah, shots per 60 is just shots per 60 at even strength. Uh, even strength goals 4 per 60 is this. Um, so per 60 minutes at, 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 at even strength, how many goals are going in every 60 minutes, and then ESGA is even strength goals against. Uh, the catalyst percentages, so cat percentage, whenever you see this, it's just catalyst percentages. So what that is is uh, it, it basically takes their elite, or elite, uh, their even strength goals for per 60 and divides it by the, the same thing when they're not on the ice. So it's the percentage difference, whether it's increase or decrease in offensive output. Uh, when they're on the ice at even strength. And this can be pretty noisy because goals are, are relatively rare, but it's a decent gauge of the player's impact. Um, uh, even st And then defensive catalyst percentage, it's flipped around. So 
you want to be positive there because it would mean less goals against, fewer goals against. Combining those two gives you total, total catalyst percentage. So Matty Beneers, for example, a very good offensive catalyst, a very good defensive one, and altogether it makes him a very good two-way, you know, two-way goal impact player. Obviously, that doesn't include like shots or shot attempts or whatever. It's just goals. So it's just a very rough gauge. Uh, and that's largely what the goal of this data is. It's just a rough gauge of a player's ability. Um, IPP is uh, kind of... It, it basically is the percentage of even strength goals where the, where the player gets a goal, a primary assist, or a secondary assist. So that's this, IPP. So 67.8% of the even strength goals scored with Matthew Beneers on the ice, he's getting a point. Uh, P1 is just primary points. So 60% is you know, a goal or a primary assist. So he's getting the puck to the person scoring. Um, 60% is, is, is pretty solid, especially for a freshman in college, but we'll, we'll, we can go over that more. Um, so this is basically, okay, so we'll go over involvement percentages next. So involvement percentages is the player's uh, points per game divided by the team's goals per game. So if a player has two points per game, or sorry, player points per game divided by team goals per game. Uh, so if a player has two let's say two points in a game uh, and the team scores four goals, that's a 50% involvement. Um, it could be a number of different things. Uh, yeah, sorry. And so that, that basically scales over the entire season and usually around 20 games, it tends to even out and, and make a bit of sense. Ah, Yuri Tiachek to the box. Yuri Tiachek playing tonight. I don't think he stepped on the ice in Czech's first game. Uh, minus one, uh, and you probably don't want to be taking a penalty when you're down, when you're up 2-1, but we'll let the kid play after he gets out of the box. Um, so involvement percentages, yeah, I just went over it. And then, so P1 involvement and ES involvement is just pick 224 data. So of the, so the player's involvement percentage, uh, at even strength. So it removes power play, it removes all that other junk that no one cares about. So it's just even strength percentages. So of the, you know, on average, team scores 10 even strength goals, what percentage does the player get a point, and what percentage does the player get a primary point? Um, NHL ES, I use it less and less, but it's a decent gauge as well. Uh, it's just a little bit of a model-ish kind of thing that I built just to age adjust, league adjust, and position adjust a player's production. Uh, over 20 is typical first-round pick production-ish. With European leagues overseas, it gets very messy very quickly. I've tried building in adjustments for it, and honestly, it just gets so noisy um, that I just have a hard time making heads or tails of it. So generally for junior and college and all that, where there's big samples, guys are relied on, they can score, it tends to work out better. But, you know, you kind of if you look at the men's stuff separate, it, it also kind of helps. Um, and then the, the rest is just kind of straightforward. The average rank and the rankings I track and, and the rank that I have them at. Uh, that's the rough outline there. And then if you go to the tracked data, so this is all the stuff that I make. And there's a lot more stuff that, that I do um, than just this. But this is a good, the reason I do it this way is because it's a good encapsulation of, of most things I look at. So starting from the top down, I split it into three sections, possession and passing um, dangerous shooting and transitions. So to me, those are sort of the three key areas of the game that I tend to focus on. So when I'm looking at dangerous shot attempt percentages, that's this. So whenever the shot attempts are going both directions, I remove all the low danger ones and that's this. Um, dangerous shot attempts four per 60. So 
again offensive whatever you, you want to be doing that more dangerous shot attempts against per 60 you want to not have that happen as much so lower is better pass attempts per 60 is pretty self-explanatory pass percentage is the percentage of passes that are completed um dangerous pass percentage is the percentage of pass attempts that the player makes that are into the slot area or through it uh one way or the other uh, I just kind of blend those all together. Obviously, they're not all created the same, but just for the sake of sample and just for the sake of a rough idea of what we're looking at here, the rest, the video can speak for the rest, but the percentage is kind of what the focus is. And then dangerous passes per 60 is just the number of those that he, they do per minutes. Um, dangerous pass completion percentage. So I, now I track how often those pass attempts are completed. Um, pass threat percentage. So offensive threat, is uh, the sum of a player's dangerous passes per 60 and their medium danger shot attempts per 60. And then I inflate their high danger shot attempts per 60 by, I, I think the difference in shooting percentage is about 20% there. So I inflate uh, the high danger shot attempt percentage by a, by a few percent, by about 20%, uh, just to give more weight to the dangerous shot attempts from in tight. Um, and then that's your offensive threat. So the percentage of that number that comes from dangerous passes is pass threat percentage. The rest is shot threat percentage. I used to have it on here, but I just do the math and just go, okay, kind of get a rough gauge just by looking at passes. It's just two in. Uh, the SHA is shot, shot assists. Uh, so the number of times a player passes it to a player, the, a player passes the puck to a player that, that shoots it, uh, whether that hits the net or not, it's just a shot assist. Uh, shot attempt creation is the number of shot attempts the player is taking plus the number of shot assists they have. Uh, dangerous shooting, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. Individual dangerous shot attempts per 60 is here. Individual high danger shot attempts per 60 is here. Uh, these percentages, so uh, individual dangerous shot attempt percentage is basically the percentage of his team's shot attempts that the player is taking themselves uh, that are dangerous. And then IHD shot attempt percentage is individual high danger shot attempt percentage. So for Matthew Beneers, for example, in my sample, 23% of his shot attempts are high danger. 30% of his shot attempts are dangerous, um, which is not so great, but there will be more context to that in the, uh, in the video that I make on him at some point. And then ISAT percentage is the percentage of the team's shot attempts that the player's taking that are them. And then DISAT is dangerous in individual shot attempt percentage. So of all the team's shot attempts, how many are the player from dangerous areas? So this indicates that Matthew Beniers is not shooting the puck a ton when he's on the ice, but also not shooting the puck a ton from dangerous areas. But again, we'll cover that in the video. Um, and then, so yeah, transitions. I mean, again, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, you've got total offensive transitions per 60, OZT. COZT is controlled offensive transitions per 60. Uh, OCZT percentage is the percentage of his offensive transitions that are done with control. DCZT is the same going backwards. Uh, so if the play's coming their way and they're getting involved in trying to break up that rush, what's the percentage of those that are done, that are done with control? And you want that number to be low, obviously, because if you have like a 100% DCZT, the opponent is, is 100% of the time getting by you, which you don't want. Um, offensive blue line transitions and defensive blue line transitions just gives me a rough gauge of where the player is more active. Um, same thing for defensive zone transitions per 60 and controlled defensive zone transitions per 60. Uh, offensive zone transition percentage is just the percentage of all of the players' transitions where they're involved that are offensive. 
So it could be controlled, uncontrolled, whatever. How it, It's just a rough gauge of how much the player is involved, whether it's offensive or defensive. Uh, and COZ, COZT percentage is the percentage of all their transitions that are controlled and offensive. So if you're above 50% here like Matthew Beniers is, that's pretty good. Because that means that whenever he has, whenever the, whenever he's involved in the play flowing from one direction to the other, fifty percent of the transitions where he's involved are offensive ones that are offensive direction. You know, they're offensive transitions that are controlled, which is pretty solid. Um, I'm sure there are guys that are higher though. He's ranked twenty third in that, so there are guys that are much higher. But there's also more context to that that could color things one way or the other. Um. Offensive zone exit percentage and defensive zone entry percentage are just the percentage of the opponent entering the neutral zone from the offensive zone with control and the percentage entering the defensive zone with control. You want those to be low. And offensive entry percentage and defensive exit percentage are just the percentages going the other way in the offensive direction. Um, and that's really roughly it. So I hope uh, to the very nice person who asked that that is a decent rundown. And for anyone here who might be new, uh, that's a good rundown, which should probably be a thing that we do once in a while. Okay. Uh, first question of the night. First question of the night from Gavin Marion. Hello, Gavin. Thoughts on Shane Wright and Brant Clark last night? They both look amazing. Yeah, they both looked really good. Brant Clark especially looked really, really, really good last night. Just in a bunch of different ways, but I mean... Canada was firing on all cylinders and Sweden was firing on zero. Why do you use very big words? Do I have to read a dictionary? It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt to know words because there are a lot of words that describe things in one word uh, that makes life a lot easier to communicate with people and helps them understand what you're talking about. Not saying that you don't, but it, it helps to know a lot of words. I always try to learn more words. I don't know. Um... How many Quebec players had a realistic shot at the under-18 team? Uh, ugh, I don't know. I would have liked to see Cole Huckins, but it's really hard to crack this team. I don't know how how you would. Uh, there's a lot of guys up front, especially. Like, I don't know about any QMJHL defenseman I would have brought. Um, but in the offensive direction, yeah, or in the forward position, I mean, Cole Huckins would have been an interesting one. Zach LaRue, I can see why they didn't bring him but he would have been an interesting one as well. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty slim pickings to me, and that's a really tough team to remove a player from. I don't know who I... I mean, there are some defensemen that I might take off, but I don't know who I would replace them with, especially from Quebec. Perfectly honest. I really don't... You know, like, could I live with a Cole Huckins over a Ryan Winterton? Probably. But on defense, I mean, like, Ethan Del Mastro was fine, I guess. Uh, you know... They, they've got a decent group of guys, even the guys that haven't played a ton. And, like, Nolan Allen, I haven't really liked, but I don't know who I'd replace him with. Like, I've seen Evan Nouse. Uh, I don't even think he's eligible, actually. Um, I think he's too old. But if he isn't, or is he American? I think, no, he's, yeah, he's from BC. He's eligible, yeah. I mean, I personally wouldn't have brought Evan Nouse. Um, but again, like, they have a lot of guys who haven't really played, and you know, it's a little weird. Uh, will Florian Elias be drafted? I, I mean, I don't see the, I mean, I don't really see the hype with him personally. He had a great world junior, I guess, but he was playing with two exceptional players. Um, I don't know. He, he took a step in his game this year, but I still don't really see much that I would write home about. Uh, 
is the U18 Swedish team, we're going to switch over to Twitch briefly, is the U18 Swedish team really bad, or is Canada just really good? I mean, Canada was playing extremely well, um, and Sweden was not. Sweden was uh, really disjointed. They were really soft under pressure. They were trying to play one-on-one hockey a lot with Canada. Canada's strength and and, and intensity on the puck was just way too high for them. Uh, their goaltending was abysmal, uh, just awful. And that's, I mean, a t- to to me, both teams on that, you 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 have to burn the tape. You don't you don't think about it. if you're Sweden, you go back to the dressing room and you go, you know what, that happened, it can't happen again. Let's you know let's get to practice and and start her up again tomorrow. And for Canada, I mean, it's like you can't get in that mode of, well, we're the 10-1 team, or we're the 12-1 team, therefore, you know, we're unbeatable. We beat Sweden 12-1. I mean, now they're in against... I don't even know. I didn't. I haven't even... Um, Canada game. But uh, last I checked, it was... Zero. Uh, so I'm going to go check now. But I don't make a fool of myself. Uh, yeah, it's 0-0 after one period. I mean, this is a weird tournament, everybody. Uh, and Latvia seems to have come to play. Uh, not that they have won yet. Um, but yeah, Sweden was not good. Canada was very, very good. That was the big thing. And the Swedish goaltending was very bad. Let in some untimely goals right off the bat. And uh, it's really hard to recover when you're playing a team as talented, especially offensively as Canada. Like, Connor Bedard and Shane Wright are phenomenal talents. Uh, I thought Logan Stankoven looked great. Uh, they, they had a lot of firepower just giving her all night. So, I don't know. Not much you can really say. Uh, that was a rough one for them. Uh, good evening, William. Someone's going to ask it. So, what? who have you liked so far in the grand total of one and a bit games per team at the under-18s? Yeah, I mean, okay. So, I went through a couple of games today, just it passively, uh, you know, looking around at guys that I liked and didn't like. I thought Topias Vilen had a good game for the Finns uh, yesterday. Vili Koivinen, I thought, also looked pretty good. Um, Samu Tuomala, again, he, the, the pluses and minuses with him are on display. You see the talent, but just not the extra 10% to make him a really, really special player. Uh, so hopefully there's more from that coming down the pipe. Uh, I don't know. So far in this Czech-Finland game, it's been kind of back and forth. Um, Czechs have gotten a couple of bounces and such. Not a whole lot has really stood out, stood out for me on uh, on the German team, for example, but on the States, I've liked um, uh, Red Savage has looked pretty good so far. Uh, there's another guy. Justin Janicki has had a couple of good moments as well. Liam Gilmartin, I think, has looked very interesting. Um, you know, I'm always a fan of Dylan Duke as well. Uh, but, I mean, I can't say he's looked as good as the other guys I've mentioned. Uh, for Canada, Brant Clark, I thought, was the best player for them last night overall. Um, beyond that, I mean, Shane Wright and Connor Bedard looked really good as well. Uh I don't know. It's really hard to pick the guys that looked really good in a 12-1 win because pretty much everyone scored a ton of points. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other teams in the tournament. I mean, in, on Sweden, like, they looked not great, but there were you saw flashes of Simon Edvinson that were fine. 
I thought, that showed some positives, but also, again, similar to Tuomala, his negatives were on display. Uh, I'm trying to think of other Swedes that didn't look awful last night. Um, Isaac Rosen had a couple of decent moments. Uh, Fabian Liesel, I thought, was one of the few guys that really came to play and play a style that, that Canada would have trouble with. Um, like, you saw, you know, Canada is very much a awareness-based, um, awareness-based, simple passing, effective passing game style team real possession-based, and they just execute. They're, they're technical, and they're precise, and they play hard. Um, there's a lot to like about Canada's game all the time, but the thing that counters them, and we saw it at the World Juniors, is speed, 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 and, like, creativity. You know, we saw that against the U.S. team. They had a bit of trouble scoring in that tournament for stretches. Uh, the Canadians, that is. And Fabian Liesel is that type of player. And I think I've seen that out of guys like Robertson and Rosen. I thought Ludwig Persson had a pretty good game for Sweden last night. And I think the lesson for Sweden is like, you know what? You're not going to beat them by playing at your own pace. You're going to need to go hard, like play hard at them. Uh, I just saw a comment about Stromgren. I thought he had some good moments too uh, as well. But yeah, that team is a functional unit. I don't know. They haven't looked good at all in the pre from the pre-tournament through to last night. Just as a functional unit, it just doesn't seem to be there. They're a young team as well. They've got a lot of really young players, um, but I don't know. That was pretty bad. Uh, Edvinson, do you see him as a similar type player to Broberg? Not really. Broberg, um, Broberg was is a bit of a defensive issue thing. With Edvinson, he has moments where he can be a bit of a problem defensively, but I don't think that's where his biggest issues lie. Um, Edvinson's biggest issues lie when the puck is on his stick and biting off more than he can chew and trying to do too much for, you know, where his talent level is at. And that was on display last night. You know, he needs to simplify things to be just more effective that way. Really solid defensive instincts. And I think the the the, the willingness to use his reach and his body is, is good. But just not, I don't know, just not doing enough uh, in terms of moving the puck and and playing that sort of dynamic two-way game, and that's kind of where his offense has, has kind of struggled. Uh, but yeah, um, I think they're both projects for sure. Like, I wouldn't bring Edvinson over this year. I wouldn't bring him over next year. I'd give him at least two more seasons uh, with Prolunda to just keep developing and, and earning more ice time. If Evan Werner put up the exact points as he is right now but was five inches taller, do you think he'd have it? Probably. He'd probably have some attention. Like, he's a good goal scorer. He's got a great shot. Kind of quick on his feet as well. He's like the very, very, very C-list Cole Caulfield, which is kind of neat. Um, but yeah, if he was a bit bigger, he certainly ha would be a bigger threat. He'd probably have more chances to score goals than he already does if he's a bit bigger and a bit stronger on his feet. You see Rossi going to the OHL just to get his feet going. I can't see that happening. I, I look at Marco Rossi and go, he's made his decision on what he wants to do with his career. Uh, Minnesota has seems to have done the research and checked him out. Uh, I doubt that going back as an overager to play in the OHL would be a good thing for him. I think he would uh, benefit from... I mean, next year he's eligible for the AHL, but it doesn't seem like that's something he's particularly interested in, but maybe that's the right move um, if he doesn't mind living in Iowa for a bit. But, I mean, again, if Zurich is where he would be more comfortable for next season, uh, that that's up to him. You know, like, I think the team and him would work through it. Another year in Switzerland I don't think would would hurt. That was the plan anyway. 
uh, at least until he was, you know, better. But it doesn't seem like that happened during the season. Um, I imagine, though, like, if I'm Minnesota, I'm going, you know, what's comfortable for you? Do you want to stay home? And, you know, do you trust the doctors over there? Do you, you know, do you feel better with them? Or do you want us more involved or whatever? And, like, would you rather be in an NHL training camp? It seems like from that article that Michael Russo wrote, you know, he's been rooming with some guys on the wild and, and they've been really supportive and helpful um, and trying to build that relationship. So maybe that's the better option, but I, I don't know because I'm not, I'm not Marco and I'm not the Minnesota Wild. Uh, hey, Will, why does Josh Norris deserve the Calder and why will he win it? I don't think he does. I think Jason Robertson has done quite a lot to earn the Calder Trophy this year. If not him, Kirill Kaprizov. I don't know how you take it away from and uh, I, I don't know how you take it away from him unless you want to have semantic arguments about just because he's eligible doesn't mean he should win it. He's eligible for the trophy. He's been exceptional. That's really the end of it. Not that Josh Norris has been bad. Uh, okay, big question here from Evan. Which players who haven't played in the NHL yet have outperformed their draft slot from 2019 and 2020? Uh... Sorry, I'm just pulling up for podcast listeners. Uh, am I going to watch Quinton Byfield's debut? I don't think I have the uh, mental capacity or space. I'll be watching the end. But I'll watch it later. Sure. Uh, outperforming draft slot. Um, I mean, I don't think there's a ton of them from 2020 that you can really, you know, I don't think there's a lot from 2020 that you can reliably uh point two but i mean i thought brock faber had a really good freshman year uh thomas bordolo i thought had a really good freshman year and he should have been in the first round john jason paterka as well really good this year every time i've seen him um i mean i'll always be a marat kusnadinov guy and when he played uh topi nimala has outperformed his slot for sure already Again, they're not in the NHL yet. Jean-Luc Foudy in the AHL looks real good, um, at least whenever I've seen him. There's a few from this year that maybe could be considered that way. In 2019, um, I mean, I did not expect Spencer Knight to be in the NHL yet, and yet here we are. Uh, who else? Connor McMichael and Philip Tomasino, for sure, I think, are looking pretty good. Pretty good, excuse me. Beyond that, I mean, Ryan Johnson was a bit of a, of a reach at the time, but I liked that pick, and he's looked pretty good. Shane Pinto as well has surprised me. Uh, he's looked pretty solid as well with Ottawa so far. Uh, but I don't I don't know if that's, like, outperforming his slot. He's been fine, but, you know. Uh, Nils Hoglander, I think it's pretty easy to see that that guy's already there. Zach Jones as well. I love Zach Jones. Um, there's a few, but... It's a little early to be definitive, though. Uh, wish I could watch live, but got to see Byfield. That's fair. If you would rather watch Quinton Byfield play hockey, that is far more important than... What's the realist projection for Beneers? Can he be a top 10 center in the NHL? Oh, I don't know about a top 10 center in the NHL. I just... That is a very, very high bar. Um, you know, that, that like being a top 10 center in the NHL implies that 22 teams do not have a center that good. I don't know if he's going to be that good, 
Um, but, I mean, I, I think Beneers has the potential to be a first-line guy, like a number one two-way center who maybe not – like a Ryan O'Reilly who doesn't score like 100 points and, and shoots the lights out or whatever, but just goes out and in both ends just plays an admirable game that you like um, and, and drives really good data from it. Uh, I could see that, um, but, like, that's a, that's a bit of a project. I mean, you're looking at, like, yeah, like, Connor McDavid is up there, Austin Matthews, Sidney Crosby, Alex Barkov, Nick Backstrom, yeah, like, Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, like, I'd say being as optimistic as I can, Ryan O'Reilly, but, like, John Tavares is up there. Um, Patrice Bergeron still is kicking around. Like, that's a really high bar. Um, but a good center in the NHL, I absolutely Hello, Dave Hollenberg. How are you? Do you anticipate more overage players being taken this year than priors? Absolutely. Uh, overage players, I mean, Ethan Cardwell is a good one. I get the feeling a lot of overage or undrafted players from the WHL will get drafted. Um, Cam Berg in the USHL, I think, should get drafted. Um, I'd be curious about NCAA guys like Ivari Rossinen. Uh, Oliver Suni, I thought looked way better this year than he did last year with Oshawa. Now that he's back on bigger ice and playing in Finland, he looked great with those junior team that just won the championship. Uh, he's a guy who some people had in the second round last year and went undrafted. I think that based on what I've seen of him this year, he should get another look. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 there's a lot of CHL guys that I've looked at and it's kind of up and down and, you know, uh, I'm trying to like, um, there's a couple of guys on Prince Albert that I've kind of liked, but nothing off the top of my head that is really ringing alarm bells, but I might need to take a closer look. Uh, do you think it's safe to say that Connor Bedard is a bust after his one assist game last night? Yep, he's, he's wrecked. What do we got on Twitch? Seems like a lot of players tracked this week. Which players rose and fell with more games? Uh... John Barron's went up. He's gotten a lot better in the games I've tracked. I did one re from him recently, and he got better um, in terms of the data output. I, uh, Jimmy Suomi, I gave him another shot. I'm seeing other things in the under-18s that is like, I don't have him on my list. Uh, Xavier Bourgault moved up a bit. He had a spectacular game. Like, it was one of the best games I've ever tracked, but I don't know. Other games I've tracked of him have been not nearly as good. Um... Matthew Knees, I did a game and put him on the list, but I'm not over the moon about him. I don't know. I feel like his game hasn't really evolved or matured from last year from what I saw. Uh, who else? Uh, Nolan Allen, I moved down a bit. I, I just, I don't know. I just feel like Nolan Allen's not my kind of defenseman. Um, same thing with Vincent Diorio. He's just not really grown la since last year. Uh... Owen Power, I moved uh, down a slot and put Brent Clark ahead of him um, because the problems with Power still are there. Uh, Ryder Korzak, I moved down as well a little bit. And, uh, Corson Kuhlemans, I think I moved him down a couple of but not much really. Has William Stromgren moved up a bit more. Uh, did another Allsvenskan game of him, and he looked uh, Right-wing Taki Hawk. <laughs> Uh, the Czech team is looking better than I expected. Are there players that have impressed you? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't seen a ton of the Czech team. This is the first game that I've really paid attention to for them. Uh, the Finnish team is a pretty big test for them. They've looked pretty good. 
but Belarus has looked really good. They really took it to Sweden. That was a pretty close 5-1 loss. Uh, if that game is played at even strength, I, I know there's, you know, there are people who believe that that game would be much closer. Uh, because it probably would be, because Sweden's not really playing that well, and Belarus plays together all year. Um, and when you put Dmitry Kuzman on that team, they look way better. So they've looked pretty solid. They're getting some good goaltending. Um, they might be able to sneak one out here. I, I think they've looked pretty good. Just keep your head on straight and keep playing the freaking game. Um, and they're and they're doing the right things. They're they're playing well. They're playing as a unit and and getting the greasy goals. And they've got Daniela Klimovic to crank pucks in on the power plays as well. So. I've liked that team. They're kind of the little engine that could this year. And uh, I, uh, I'm i curious to see how they do for the rest of the tournament. Hmm. Oh, they've got Yuri Tiacek killing penalties today. Interesting. It's almost like he's 5'8 and solid defensively. Um, ooh, what makes Ryder Korzak so damn good? Well, let's pull up his data and take a quick look. Shall we? Uh, he, there's, it's weird. He's a weird one. He's a guy who I think, if you look at, he's a, he's a good skater. And he drives decent results through his skating offensively. And he creates a lot of shot attempts for his team. Um, but they just love to shoot from everywhere but the slot, uh, in Moose Jaw. They just pepper the net with those shots and hope that one goes in or they get a rebound in tight. Because uh, getting the rebound in tight is not something Korzak is doing. 80% of his shot attempts are low danger. Uh, and he's shooting a decent amount. And, uh, you know, he's passing a lot, but not always hitting his target. He's a guy who I just wish would give another, you know, 5 or 10%. You know, he's very inactive defensively. He'll apply pressure for a very small amount of time and then ease off on the gas pedal and give a lot of space to his um, you know, offensively, he'll cross the offensive blue line, dish the puck to his to his partner or something, and instead of going to the front of the net or something, he'll wrap around below the goal line and kind of remove himself from play. Um, it's he's he's a bit of a floater in that way, and just kind of when the puck is on his stick, and he's not moving pucks in the offensive direction and working the perimeter and uh, and ro and working an offensive cycle and not really driving offense. That's, you know, that's where he's strong, but there, I mean, to me, that means that there's room for improvement. He's got some good skill. He should be able to get inside, but he just has, I can't, I can't recall a single time he has with the puck on his stick. Um, I think the one dangerous shot attempt I tracked of him, just, I think him just slapping a rebound uh, in, in the, in the faceoff circle. Um, so it's tough. It's a, he's, he's a tough one to read. I've done three games and... I could see him not being a first-round pick, very, but I could also see him a team sort of betting on his skating and, his, uh, you know, his, his vision in the offensive zone. At least when it comes to offensive zone cycles and uh, the potential of his game, I could see that. Uh, but based on last year, how bananas he was on a bad team, I haven't really seen a whole lot that's. I haven't really seen a whole lot where I'm going. Uh, Who just scored that goal? Was that my boy, Kali Vaisanen? I saw a three. No, no. Not him. Oh, well. Uh, but yeah. he. There are things that he does very well. Ryder Korzak, that is. But there are a lot of things that he just kind of doesn't do, period. 
and that is kind of worrisome. Uh, Laffer Stutzla, uh, you're in, I see the Ottawa Senators logo in your avatar, and so I know you're asking me to get me to say Stutzla. It's it's gonna be Lafreniere. I'm not gonna totally change my mind on who the best player in last year's draft was in the middle of a pandemic season halfway in. Stutzla's a very good player, but I'm still taking Lafreniere. Seventh rounders are worth picking up. Yeah, th there are lots of seventh rounders that I would pick up and take a swing on. Again, it's I can't tell you who a seventh round pick is going to be if we haven't even started the first round yet. I don't know. If Yuri Tiachek is there in the seventh round, I take him. Uh, if Matty Beniers is available in the seventh round, then that's a guy worth picking up in the seventh round too. It's hard to say. Usually there aren't a ton of guys left in the seventh round where I'm like, you need to take this guy. Alex Poshin last year, but there are reasons why he was available in the seventh round. But, you know, should he have been gone earlier? Yeah, I would say so, but it's it's very rare for a seventh round pick to be someone where you're like, holy crap, I can't believe this guy's still available. It's pretty rare. Um but I can't so I can't I can't really tell you until the day of the draft. Which player outside of your top 50 is the most fun to watch? Outside my top 50. Um, I like Kali Vysonen because he goes out and tries to crush everyone. Same thing with Dmitry Katalevsky. I, I kind of like the hard work. Dmitry Kuzman's at 54, and he's probably the one that I think is the most fun to watch. Uh, Josh, hey, Will, could you talk more about Tihachek? Uh, sure, I mean, it depends on what you want to hear about. Ooh, what a goal. Uh No lead is safe. Oh, it was Hamasami? I mean, that's what he does. Lexi Hamasami, once he gets ahead of steam going and, son and stuff. Yeah, he's the guy on Finland I think is making a name for himself here. Him, I mean, I hope Vili Koivinen as well, but Hamasami has looked really, really good the last two games. That was a nice game. Um, but yeah, with Tihacek, I mean, it depends. I just put a video out on him that outlined a lot of thoughts on him. But um, I think that's one of the players that has a lot of headroom to grow. I think people will look at his Czech second division pro numbers and go, eh, he's not scoring a ton, so whatever, why would you draft him? You look at him in junior, and he's bananas good down there. So I think there's headroom. Um, I think he's learning how to play more defensive hockey, uh, and sort of the offense will come out as better and more experienced against men, but, I mean, he didn't look out of place as a defensive player against men uh, and drove a lot of really good data for me uh, that I really liked. And moving the puck offensively, I mean, I think there's a bit of issues there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of him. Ouch. That looked like it hurt. Me. Uh, next question. Ari Braz, what's up? A goalie coach friend, under-18s by not having proper net mooring. I've noticed that, too. The nets are popping off all night. It's kind of weird. Goaltenders are put in an awkward position where they can't play their position properly. Potentially. I believe it. I, I could see it. The nets are do seem to be ripping off the rings a lot. Um, but, I mean, I kind of had a feeling coming into this tournament that it would be a bit of wagon hockey anyway. I'm not surprised that a lot of these goals are very lopsided with lots of goals because who are the goalies that are worth drafting in this year's in this year's tournament? Maybe Canada has one in Ben Gaudreau. 
Maybe there's another one on Canada, but I wouldn't touch the States goalies. I wouldn't touch I mean, Russia has had some goaltenders, but they have not played super well. At least the 2021 eligibles. Finnish goaltenders, I'm not really interested. The Swedes, I don't they're going to be picked. Uh, who else? Like the Czechs, Suchanik is okay, but I mean, having a, having a rough go now. Um, I don't know. There's just not a lot out there from the get-go, let alone whether the moorings are coming off too much. It's just a weird, just a weird tournament that way. It's a, it might be a bit of a barn burner tournament with a lot of lopsided stuff. And that seven, six Russia, us game, like, yeehaw. Um, can you compare Clark and Hughes as players and why you like Hughes? Yeah, I think with Hughes, there's mobility, uh, there's mobility and, and, um, like, so Hughes has one benefit of age. He also has the benefit of being a college kid. So there's a longer runway there. Uh, Clark is a very talented offensive playmaker through his passing. He definitely has great vision with his eyeballs to spot guys around the offensive zone. Hughes has that as well. Uh, but what I like a little bit more about Hughes is that he's able to create space well, you know, open up passing lanes, get himself into open ice. Uh, Clark can do that as well, but Hughes pushes things a little bit further. Um, his puck carrying, I think, is better. You know, once Hughes gets moving, he can really rip through the neutral zone. Uh, Brant Clark doesn't really do that, but he's more of a pass-first type defenseman. Like, I see a bit of Jared Spurgeon out of him. You know, kind of like a puck-hurling guy who's decent defensively, like a Spurgeon or Ryan Ellis-type defenseman, which, you know, I'm all for. I love those guys, for sure. Uh, and Brant Clark is number six on my list now. Whereas with Luke Hughes, I think you're getting much more of a dynamic, you know, puck rusher with some offensive flair and, you know, a guy who might be a, a, a more of an offensive-leaning defenseman in a multitude of scenarios, whereas Clark will be an offensive defenseman, but I think that his game will, you know, they might score a similar amount of points, but I think their style of generating those points is going to be a bit different. Um, and Hughes could be a bit more of a defensive liability because of it. Like, Clark doesn't really put himself too out of position a lot. Hughes can be a riverboat gambler at times, and it's a lot of fun to watch when it works, uh, but, you know, when things aren't really his way, they can be a little... Uh, look, Lau loves me. Love you too. I have zero idea what any of those things mean. I'm yeah, you can watch the live stream again. Uh, it'll be archived forever and ever and ever as long as you. Who knows? Um, has Braden Schneider proven he's worth trading up for? Uh, you know, look, the thing I highlighted about Braden Schneider, I didn't see the things that he's doing more of this year, last season at all. You know, this year he's a much more aggressive puck rusher. He's aggressive with his puck movement. He's getting into the offensive zone with the puck on his stick way more than last year from my experience. Uh, and that's a big change. That's a big shift in his game. I thought he was fine at the World Juniors, like good, but not great. Um, you know, I still think that he's going to be a good Swiss Army Knife middle pair guy. Uh, you know, he's not a bad hockey player at all. The other thing that he also has kind of working against him is that he's almost a 2019 eligible. Like next year, he's going to be in the AHL. He's been good this year, for sure. Um, but, you know, I, I think he's going to be a good NHL defenseman that you can penalty kill. He can be a power play quarterback if you want him to. 
Um, there's there's good there's good talent there to work with. Uh, it's just for me, the the things I saw last year in the sample that I took, I you know I thought all right he's he's not if he if he be, decides to be a bit more uh, aggressive and push offense on his own stick a little bit more than sure, and that seems to be what's happening. Um, I don't know if I would have traded up for him, but I, I don't know. It wasn't the end of the world. Uh, but again, I, I looked at my list today because someone asked me about that uh, on Twitter. And I looked through my list last year, and there were just too many names available at 20 that I still don't think I would have passed on. Guys like Maverick Bork, um, even a Marat Kuznadinov, I thought before his injury looked phenomenal this year, and he's almost a full year younger uh, than, than Braden Schneider is. So we're looking at a player who might have who's very close to being in the same age bracket as Schneider was last year uh, if he were draft eligible this year. So I don't know. There's a lot of things with him that I like. I just were, I just can, you know, the ceiling part of it and, and, you know, the ceiling part of it is a bit of a question mark, but he's been very good this year. Uh, at this point, who are your top five forwards in 2021? Yeah, top five forwards. Uh, Beniers, Eklund, Liesel, and Gunther. I bumped Gunther up uh, after watching him again and watching him last night. I bumped him up. I imagine he'll be gone by seven anyway, so it doesn't matter, but I think that's pretty safe. I don't see him better than as, as a superior player to Bryant Clark, though. And, and Luke Hughes, Fabian Liesel, and William Eklund, that's a tough sell for me. Wallstead is a wild card, and Beniers, I just... Uh, are Fabian Liesel's point totals an indication that he slips in the draft? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That and the reputation that he has about him that I think is all kind of bunk, but it's out there, and yeah, he probably will slip in the draft, which is... Uh, Brandstrom or Romanov? He, you got the Senator's avatar, man. You're giving me... You're giving me a guy on my team, a guy on a team I hate. Uh... I mean, I take Brandstrom. Sure, legitimately, but a little bit of a loaded question, and Sens fans seem to really like to poke holes in my stuff. Uh, what's the best choice for Ottawa in the 5-8 to eight range? I mean, it depends on who's off the board. Uh, if I'm Ottawa, I mean, Luke Hughes would be a lot of fun in Ottawa with Jake Sanderson and Thomas Shabbat and Eric Brandstrom. Uh, but I feel like DJ Smith would think that Luke Hughes is a very different player than what he um, Fabian Liesel in Ottawa would be a ton of fun. You know, he's a bit of a rambunctious guy. I think they need a bit of firepower, like real, real firepower. Like, I like Drake Batherson, but, you know, he's like 24 and and kind of there already, and he's a good player. But, you know, you've got Stutzla. They're kind of a little soft down the middle in terms of, of depth. Like, Josh Norris is good. Shane Pinto might be a guy. Logan Brown might be a guy. Um, should be a guy. But Matthew Beniers would give you a rock-solid top-six center, I think. And if he's available, that's... And I think he'd fit in with kind of their ethos uh, and the kind of hockey they're looking for. What do you think of 2022 eligible OHL talent? Um, hard to say because they haven't played. There's a lot of them that have kind of, like, Pinelli, I did a game of him today, and he wasn't great, and I'm up and down on Pinelli a lot, uh, which, I don't know. I mean, if he's gone in the first round, I don't know if I would do it. He's ranked in my first round, but I don't know if I'd do it. Um, who else? 
uh, OHLers. Uh, obviously, Brant Clark is Brant. Brant Clark. Uh, Mason McTavish, I really like, and he's gotten way better over the course of the season. I've liked him a lot. Um, like, Ty Voigt is a guy that I liked last year, but I just can't rank him super high because I haven't seen him very much. Uh, and he hasn't played this year. Um, who are some other OHLers? Brennan Othman, I've kind of cooled on a bit over the course of this season. Like, had him in my first round early. I just... I don't know what he is in the NHL outside of a trigger man, and there isn't a whole lot to his game. You know, receives pucks in the neutral zone, easy carries into the offensive zone, and kind of lobs them from 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 out farther away than you'd like. And I I just think that Mason McTavish has been a better player over the sample of games that I've seen both of them in Switzerland on the same. Uh, Kuzman is a good defenseman, I guess. Yeah, I would never lead you astray. McTavish player comparison. Yeah, I mean, okay, so I'll give you a player's a style of play. I mean, he kind of gives me the same vibes that a player like Dylan Holloway did last year, where, you know, you, you there's offensive talent for sure. You can see it. Um, but, but it, you know, there's an all-around game. There's a, there's a physicality element to it. There's a speed element to it. There's a skill element to it. There's a deception element to it. Uh, I like a lot of what Mason McTavish brings to the game. He's got a great shot at the end of the day. He's got better playmaking vision than he did last year, I think. You know, he's using line mates a lot more effectively, uh, not really being so much of a trigger man uh, when he's on the ice. And and I think that there's a lot to like about Mason McTavish. I've got him ranked really high. Um, where is he? Number 13. I've got him ranked real high. I like him. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 think, I think there's a good player there. Nice all-around sort of play-doh to play with you know, really malleable a lot of things he does that are that are legitimately good that and some things that are very good like his shot and i think his vision has is, is gotten a lot better the course over the course of this year uh and just the motor that he brings to the game and his ability to create turnovers and there's a lot of things that are that are really good with him he's just a shade outside of my top group but after a couple of more games this year i could easily see him being higher on my list uh Automatic message. What did you think of Barron's? I mentioned him quickly. He was better than I thought. Uh, I thought I thought he was good. Um, game that I did uh, a lot better than before. Um, good with his positioning in the neutral zone. Turns, you know, gets to lose pucks first because of his positioning. He's a little conservative. I still am concerned about his overall upside outside of like a third pair, you know, power play, second unit power play kind of guy. You know, pass first quarterback, but. If his skating improves over the next couple of years, he goes to college for a few years and improves the skating and, and strength and his ability to stick to guys in the defensive zone, uh, then yeah, I could easily see a, a pretty talented guy there. But not counting my chickens before they hatch. And if that's a first-round pick, then I get it. Uh, but I don't I don't think I would be in that boat. Um, but not super far off. I think he should be gone by the third round. I don't know if he's small and hasn't scored a tremendous amount. Uh, let's go over to Twitch brief. Um, I know you like Kuzman, but what are the positives and negatives? I mean, the biggest positive is that he's skilled. I think he's kind of like Tihacek in that his defensive game is better than you'd think. Um, you know, he knows how to pinch up on guys, lead with his stick, and just get in the way. Uh, evading skill, I think, is still... Or evasive, evasive skill to create space and open up ice is a little bit sketchy under pressure for him, but he's playing against men in Belarus. I don't think it's a joke. 
the games I tracked of him were against some of the best teams there, like Unost Minsk, which, you know, goes to the Champions League all the time. And, and he has some bad games at that in that in that situation. But the thing you're betting on is his skating and his skill and, you know, his offensive transition game. Like, I'll pull up his data. I've done five or six. I mean, it's kind of self-explanatory that he's going to get a video. It'd be kind of, I'd be remiss not to. And, like, none of this jumps off the page in terms of, like, spectacular. But this offensive threat is one of the higher in, in uh, for defensemen. And eight dangerous passes per 60 minutes is also extremely high for defensemen. And there are some games where he has, like, four or five of them. And his defensive, you know, like, you see a combination of things that are the exact same as Tiacek. 30% of defensive transitions, he's blocking them and turning pucks over one way or the other and he get, when he's involved. And a lot of that is positioning. A lot of that is just knowing where to be, but also like stick checks and getting in the way of rushing lanes and all that stuff. He does pretty well. And that translates to a pretty low dangerous shot attempt against. Um, the fact that he can do lacrosse goals as well is kind of fun. He's done multiple this year now. Um, I think there's a lot of headroom with his game as well, for sure. One of the commentators for the Sens and Canucks game might have been Craig Button said McTavish is a lowercase Matthews. I mean, I like Craig Button, but I'm not throwing that out. Because um, it also could, it could, it doesn't really mean anything. And if, if, if I had the chance to get a lowercase Matthews, I don't know. I don't really see it, but I, yeah, like what does that really even mean? You know, like, Austin Matthews is one of the best goal scorers of the generation. Saw that tonight. I don't know. See, that's why I don't do player comps. Why I don't do them. Mason McTavish might end up being, like, a second-line winger. And it's like, I think that's perfectly possible. A lot of guys in that range, especially, like, if there was, if lowercase Matthews was available in this year's draft, we'd be talking about him, like, top three. Like, I wouldn't even consider, like, Matthew Beneers a lowercase Matthew, whatever that means. Like, Austin Matthews is kind of in a class of his own kind of things that he does. Um, so pretty much everyone else is a lowercase Matthew. I don't know. I don't know. How many Chicago Steel players get drafted? Well, Josh Doan is definitely getting drafted now. Good at the BioSteel game, and he's got bloodline. Um, Lucas Gustafson, I hope, gets drafted, but Ryan Ufko probably will get drafted. Um, Jackson Blake, I hope, gets drafted. Jason Blake's kid. Um, see, that's what you need to see more of of Samu Tuomala. I'll just say that if you're watching the check game uh, where Tuomala attacks the net and, and really drives with his That's something you need to see. Uh, but for the Chicago Steel, take a look. It could be a lot. It, it could be a lot. Like, Jack Barr is going to get drafted. Um, weird. Oh, weird. Yeah, Jack Barr will probably get drafted. I mean, you could see, like, five or six of them get A lot of them might not be the guys that I would take. I like Josh Doan a bit, but like he's good, not terrible, but seems like there's a lot of hype about him now. Jackson Blake, I find, is kind of very interesting, but you know, 
especially like for Sean. He's like the Sean Barons of forwards. You know, really slippery skill, knows how to score, but uh, the skating is a bit of an issue, and and the escape velocity is. He's a good player. Not sure if you've talked about him yet, but what if, what what if, but what you had what have. Not sure if you talked about him yet, but what have you? That's just you seen with Klimovich so far. I mean, the shot is amazing. The the pre-tournament work I did on him, like he's got some skill. He steps into danger and and rips shots really well. But the skating is pretty clunky. He's really heavy on his feet. Um, a lot of his goals are power play goals. Like he's got four goals through two games and he's a minus two. Obviously, plus minus great, but it is pretty telling when you have a guy scoring two goals a game and they're not pushing goal differentials at even strength very well. You know, you give him the puck on the power play and he'll probably put it in the net, which is great. Um, I mean, if anyone wants to do the Yinor Chinahov thing, uh, Klimovich would be an easy pick in the first round if you wanted someone who has that Chinahov uh, gene, I guess you could say. Not saying I would do it. But before the tournament, I put Klimovich on my, on my watch list because it was like, you know what? He plays Belarusian third division. I can't confidently say that that projects very well, but what he does in that level is pretty interesting. If he goes undrafted, then circle back next year. Keep him on the list. Um, but I did not expect him to be as good as he's been in this tournament. He has been good, uh, but it's a lot of it is that shot pretty much driving it. Um, but Belarus has been getting a great team effort from a whole bunch of guys. Uh, ooh. What do you think happens to Perfetti next year when he's no longer AHL eligible? I mean, I imagine Perfetti's in the NHL. He's been great in the AHL this year. I imagine he's a... He has not looked out of place in the AHL, and I would give him a shot there for the NHL. That Where would Bordalo go in an early redraft? Where would Bordalo go in an early read? I mean, I think he goes somewhere in the 20 to 30 range. Say that. <laughs> I know that's not a great answer, but somewhere in there. Uh, it's just so early. What do you think Ryder Korzak does in the NHL? I mean, there's a chance he doesn't play, but I, I think he could be a good sort of transitional center, play driver. Needs line mates, though. He needs guys who can finish. I think. He's a capable... He's a capable finisher, but I think he needs those guys to help. Excuse me. Uh, Jasmine Soroya, what's going on, my friend? Uh, what are your thoughts on Alexi Malinin and Peter Reynolds? Well, Malinin looked really good for the Finns last night. Really great transition driver. Um, but that was, you know, I, I, I've tried with Malinin a bunch of times. I have him ranked, but it's, it's a, he's a tough one. I don't know. I don't know what he's going to be. I don't know. I don't know. He he he's he he's playing against men and he probably shouldn't be. That kind of colors things, but he's looked really good at this tournament. He I don't know, it's tough. I might need to take closer looks at him, but yeah, honestly I don't really. And with Peter Reynolds, I feel like he's going to be a really good junior player and the pros might just be a bit tough for him. He's skilled, slippery, he's creative, you know, he kind of like Zach Dean in that way. And I just don't know if it's, you know, his skating is okay, but not great. You know, Quebec defending is pretty soft and the pressure is pretty light. And he, you know, I don't know. With Peter Reynolds, it's a tough one. Like, I've I've done a few games of him now. 
need to do more but to, before i really make any definitive things and like it's not horrible with him but it's also not like great it's not he's not over the over the moon great in a whole lot of different areas um plays a lot with brady burns and i think brady burns has had a tremendous season uh but peter reynolds I mean, he'll probably get drafted but i don't think i would be clamoring to pick him super early maybe more of a late round Red Savage, the best name of the draft. It's up there. Marcel Marcel on the Czech team. Does anyone fall this year because of injuries? Yeah, Luke Hughes probably. He'll probably go a little later than Uh, We'll do, go over to Twitch briefly for a question. Uh, Oh, it was a follow-up. Could you do the same for Koivinen and Borgo? So the follow-up of... Hoivinen is just really smart. Um, knows where to put the puck. Knows where his line mates are. Really crafty player. His skating is getting better. His ability to drive offensive danger is getting better. He's a good player. Just a really good hockey player. Um, and I know that's not very deep analysis, but he just does a lot of the right things often. And, you know, when he gets involved defensively, he knows how to strip pucks. When he knows how to move pucks offensively with control. He knows how to deceive lanes going inside, moving pucks outside. Moving outside, moving pucks inside, hitting targets. Just a lot of really good stuff out of his game. With Borgo, it depends on the game you're watching. Some games he is kind of invisible, uh, but other games he's just constantly driving offense. Like the one game I just did, um, he had something like 15 dangerous pass attempts and like just absolutely dominant. And there's a lot of things here that are really, really positive, but honestly, like one game pushed up a bunch of this stuff. Um, he's pretty soft defensively. His pace isn't super high, so I wonder how much his offense is going to translate. But if he's like a middle six, you know, third line offensive chip-in guy that you put on your second power play and he can sort of thread the needle offensively, get to the net, drive dangerous shot attempts from there, but also be more of a perimeter playmaker, I think you're laughing. Uh, I think he got a good player there. I think he's a first-round pick, but it also very much depends on the day. Um, you think that Nikita Chibrikov is a top 15 pick? I don't think so. He's been good for the Russians this year uh, at this tournament, and he's been all around Russia, like, not awful. Um, which is, I mean, if you're in the KHL and not awful, that's meaningful. Um, but, like, with Chibrikov, there's a lot of his game where I'm just... Not sure. I mean, again, similar to Borgo. Like, some games, he's not there. Some games, when he is there, he's not doing a ton. Like, it's literally some shifts. He's great. And then the rest of the game, he's kind of invisible. He kind of hangs out, waiting for offense to come to him. But he does have a decent motor when he puts his feet under him and gets moving. He can hit some guys along the boards, apply pressure. We saw that last night. He he was in the penalty box quite a bit and earned it. Um little bit of mystifying passing decisions as well you know up near 60 percent passing but a lot of that he's you know kind of blindly passing pucks around the ice panic passing just not great and a lot of shots from low danger a lot of them so i don't know with him i could see him being a, a first round pick but i could also see him you know being a guy that maybe people get a little bit skittish about because they don't know what he but if he has a great tournament for the rest of the tournament here, sure, I could see him moving up a bit. What are your thoughts on Isaac Enright? I don't know the name, so I will put on a list. Always appreciate 
Hedzes up. Uh, what do you think of the Michkov contract? I mean, makes sense. Why would you let Matvey Michkov risk leaving? Um, I mean, he's not draft eligible for another couple of years anyway. And you're, I mean, if he's, uh, if he's, this is Russia we're talking about too. Like money talks. Really want Matvey Michkov from St. Petersburg? You're probably going to be able to find a way to make it happen. Um, but I don't know. I don't really think about that kind of thing. Like people overthink oh, this player signed a contract in Russia until this point. Like, Vasily Podkolzin has a contract until the end of this. Imagine he's coming over. I, I don't know. I don't really think it's a tremendous risk. You know, at, at some point they'll come over. Like, Kirill Kaprasov is 23. It feels like forever since he was drafted. But at 23, he steps right into the NHL and does not look out of place. Uh, so, not the end of the world. If Alex Poshin is the next one of those guys, great. Uh, but we'll see. But I'm also hoping that Toronto, working with Salavat Yulayev, uh, with Rodion Amirov to take him back next year, even though he's on an NHL contract, might help sort of bridge that gap a little bit and be like, look, we don't want to poach the guy, but at some point there needs to be a runway here because we would really like to have him, and I'm sure he would love to come to Canada, but like we understand that there's whatever. I don't know, maybe there's a negotiation that can be done there. But with Michkov, I don't really think a whole lot about it, especially because he's so far from being drafted in the... Uh, take a, take a drink here. I think, uh, I had, um, we have potato chip discussions here sometimes. Um, the partner came home the other day with, uh, uh garam masala lays, I think. They were like wavy masala flavor, and they're giving me some good heartburn, so I might have to go get some Tums after this. Uh, giving me a bit of heartburn. <clears throat> unfortunately and we had some spicy spicy chicken for dinner as well leftover you know a little bit a little bit sore down there uh jordan hunt hello hello jordan you mentioned you like zach jones i do i i did and i do uh what does jones and ference project to be in the nhl assuming they can get past crowded blue line uh with ference i mean i don't think their nashville's blue line is that crowded anymore You've got like ben harper playing nhl um ference I think could be a top four offensive defenseman. I love David Ferentz a lot. Zach Jones, I think, could be a more of a two-way leaning guy, but some good offense to him as well, but just more of a two-way puck manager. Um, better defensively than I thought he was. You know, he can throw his weight around as well. Just sort of an all-around two-way guy that, that can play in your top two pairs, I think. Ferentz, I think, is more of an offensive leaning guy that could quarterback a power play. I love David Ferentz. So... I easily could see those guys being sort of top four defensemen down the road. Uh, are you Canadian or American? I am Canadian. As by the crests all over my body. Um, but not. I'm wearing my uh, gray sweatsuit. Today is a gray sweatsuit. In case you were. I always love gray sweatsuits. Lava lamp. That's an old lava lamp, and it looks old. It looks like, um, if anyone's seen the movie Independence Day, if you haven't, you should go watch it, because it looks like the scene where they're looking at all the aliens in Area 51 suspended in that fluid. Kind of looks like I have an alien suspended in fluid right there. Lava lamp. It's not an alien. I wish I had an alien jar, but I don't. Uh, do you think that Stutzla is an 80 to 100 point center? That's really hard to do. No. 
Can you compare Luke Hughes and Jake Sanderson? Yeah, Jake Sanderson is much better defensively. Um, I would say their offensive rush abilities are pretty much on par. I think Luke Hughes has more offensive offensive offense to him. Um, but I'd say they're relatively comparable in terms of overall value. Sanderson, I, I think the offensive rush game is pretty much comparable. Defensively, though, I take Sanderson every day. And in terms of creating offense, Sanderson's not far behind, but Hughes, I think I give him the kind of balances, I guess. Um, did you draft for position or best player available? I, I Best means a lot of different things. I look at it as, uh, I mean, it's hard. It's so hard to say because you're not at the table. Um, I always just draft the best players, though. If I, if it were me, like the way that I've done my work of like checking my work and adding to team scouting, as I call it, is just take the guys that I like. And I find that whenever I mess up, it's when I'm thinking too much about what other people think relative to me, or when I'm thinking I need this. You know, like last year with the last pick in the draft, I really, really, really wanted Cameron Berg. That was my guy. I, I thought, all right, Cameron Berg's my guy. But then I looked at all the names I had drafted and I went, you know what? Maybe not. Maybe not a great chance. Maybe not a great choice. I kind of panicked because, you know, at the at the time of the live stream, I didn't want the Leafs to make their pick that they had just acquired that I wasn't expecting. And for like three picks to go by and for me to still be thinking about it because then I don't want to leave any indication that I'm just like looking at Toronto picks and going, I want this guy. Um, but very easily, um, you know, I, I took Anton Lukachov, but looking back on it, it's like, you know what though? I still think Hamburg is a really good player and he probably have been drafted. Uh, so yeah, to me, it's always best player available. And if you do that a bunch of times, you'll end up with a pretty balanced lineup in my this year, I like the defense group, but not in the first round. Like, for team scouting, so to speak, I'm looking at three picks right now. And if my three picks for that are, say, in the first, like, it, I mean, I'm hoping it's Logan Stankoven in the second round, but if it's not, and it's, say, Ayrton Martino, or by some miracle, Scott Morrow, it, you know, to me, I feel like regardless, I, I'm going to get a pretty good forward if it's a pretty good player one way or the other if it's one of these guys. I'm not expecting stank oven, but who knows? Martino, Moro, Coivin, and Johnson. I'm happy with any one of those. And two of those, I think, are really good defensemen. Two of those are really good wingers. Neither are centers, but there aren't a ton of centers in this year's draft that I'm, like, really over the moon about. At least not in that range. Later on in the draft, you've got, you know, you've it's a fifth and a sixth round. So is Yuri Tihachek that guy? Is Jake Martin that guy? Um, you know, Elias Stenman, Lucas Gustafson, Kali Irvasti, four of those guys are defensemen. I could have drafted Cam Berg last year, looked at my list this year, and go, you know what? Now that I have the benefit of hindsight, I feel a lot better. You know, that's the thing, right? Like, also drafting for position, what do you mean? Are you drafting for your position on your NHL team? Because look at how much turnover an NHL team has in a given year. What you need in one year might be significantly different uh significantly different in uh it, it might be significantly different in two years what you're so a lot of yeah a lot of i don't know i just look at it as as a lot of drafting is like what are other teams doing and how can i take advantage of it and you know 
someone good always slips to picks like this that I'm not expecting. And if it's a forward or a defenseman, I don't really care. The more you add, I mean, it also gives you more options to make moves and, and guys around. Because um, it makes other teams guys. The topic of Sanderson, after seeing what he did this past season, safe to say he was worth the fifth overall pick. I still don't think he was. And you're, again, another Senator's avatar. I like Jake Sanderson, but that is a risky pick at five. Jamie Drysdale is in the NHL already and looking pretty good. Again, it's too early to tell. Marco Rossi, I didn't foresee him having the season he had. Uh, I would have taken Sanderson over Jack Quinn, no question. Cole Perfetti in the AHL is very well. Uh, Anton Lindell against men in Finland, Finnish Pro League, is doing very well. Uh, Yaroslav Askarov in the KHL has been great. Um, who else is in there? I don't know. Like, it's way too early to tell. One year at college where he's under a point per game and, you know, he's been good. Very good with UND. Uh, but I don't think it's at all safe to say that at fifth overall he was the best player available there because I frankly just refuse to believe it and I will refuse to believe it because I really like Marco Rossi and, you know, like, not to hide behind... Marco Rossi having coronavirus and that really affecting his career, but that is a very, 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 very talented player. Very talented. Um, as long as he can get his legs back. Also, he's a very good example of why people should be taking coronavirus very, very seriously. Please get vaccinated. Tell all your friends and family to get vaccinated. Incredibly irresponsible not. Uh, unless you have some sort of medical condition. Doing so, but those are extremely rare. Uh, do you think Jonathan Bergeron has a decent shot at an NHL career? Potentially. Uh, his lack of going to high danger areas seems to deter some fans, but not a He, But the thing is with him, he always kind of has had that, but he's gotten better at it, and he can do it, right? Like, I kind of think a lot about what a player can do, uh, and he can do a lot of things, and getting into the dangerous areas is something that he certainly can do. So I hope that over time he does it more. I think there's potential for a good NHL career, but it's going to take some time adjustment, you know, patience, all that stuff. And, you know, Detroit's a rebuilding team that's going to have lots of spots and plenty of Swedes to play with, and I think Bergeron is a good one. Chris McBride. Yes, happy Byfield debut. Thank you very much. Excited. Josh, I forgot to ask, on your videos where you rank players, what do you... Yeah, so I put it in the description now um, because I'm trying to concentrate my videos more. Uh, I know they're still relatively the same length, but in terms of information trying to streamline it and concentrate things um, just to, you know, to simplify it and, and make it, you know, more informative. But the basic, the, it's really simple. The number is the general tier of a player's talent and the letter is the consistency. So if there was like one, if, if I think that for some reason, let's say uh, Simon Edvinson, Simon Edvinson was a 1F because I think that when Simon Edvinson was playing at his best and really showcasing some real good talent, he could be a real top-tier defenseman in multiple scenarios. Offensive, defensive, I think that's a tier one player, no question. Most guys at the top end have that kind of a seat. You know, first-line guy like a Fabian Liesel, um, for example, or a first-pair guy like a Luke Hughes. It's possible. That's the, that's the thing there. And then the letter is sort of the consistency within that. So it's like, you know, so when I'm looking at a player and, you know, like Luke Hughes, for example, some games he was completing 70, 75, 80% of his passes, and some games it was down around 60, 
95% watching them. What are you doing? Like, some of the time, it's just you keep your head on straight, you play simple, play effective, and you get those numbers. Other times, it's like, what do you ha- what's happening here? So it just adds a bit more nuance to it. All right, like, over a big sample, things fluctuate this much. Not perfect, uh, but it's kind of the way that I perceive it uh, overall. Um, uh, okay. Which player in the draft is most NHL ready? I would probably say Beneers. Uh, I, I mean, someone's going to draft power and play. Uh, which is going to be. Have you seen Brinson Passenchuk in the NCAA? Yeah, that's the uh, Arizona State kid, right? Yeah, I've always liked Passenchuk. Uh, I'm glad he's making his a big deal. That's good for him. Uh, really, really liked that pickup for San Jose. Doug Wilson Jr. Uh, who is NHL ready from this year's draft? I mean, personally, I think it's been... I honestly think that nobody probably should be in the NHL. Uh, but of anyone, I would say Benier. But I don't think he'd be particularly effective in the NHL. Uh, what's the reputation concern with Cell? Uh Yeah, I don't know. It's... What I've heard, I mean, obviously I'm not going to share anything, but it doesn't, I go over it a little bit in the video. It doesn't really move the needle. I know for some people, but it's not that big of a, I don't think it's that big of a, I think a lot of it is contextual stuff where high level standpoint and not really seeing it from his perspective or his family's perspective. I don't know. Like being with a really good team like Frölunda and then like forcing your way out it ruffles feathers one way or the other. The thing with him is that uh, thing that oh, that my mic is cut. Not sure why that's happening. That's why it's happening. My apologies. My preamp was turned all the way down. It took me an hour and eighteen minutes to figure that out. Many, many apologies. That's kind of sad. Um, let's continue. Jeez, <laughs> uh, I knew I forgot something. I was ready to go with the stream at like 9.20. I was ready to go, ready to hit the button. Some things are just too good to be true. I apologize. For any podcast listeners who made it this far, thank you. <laughs> I'll be sure to make sure to not make this mistake ever again. It's not the la- not the first time this happened either. I think Heart of Lad found found it uh, one time. Um, <laughs> sometimes I, I I never claimed to be the smartest person on the planet. Um, have you seen Alexei Hamasami? Absolutely, I have. Good value in the second or third round. I think if it's a third round, I could easily see it. Um, I've been tracking him all year. He caught my eye watching. He was a glitter player for me. Like I was watching other guys and he caught my eye. Um, I really like Hamas Salmi. There's a lot. He's one of those guys where there's a lot of headroom. I think there's a lot of development room for him. He could be a lot better than he is. Um, and he's already pretty good, especially when it comes to his skating and skill, uh, and, and his ability to sort of protect the puck and move pucks around. It's not phenomenal, but he has the potential to be much better. So yeah, I'm a big fan of Hamas Salmi for sure. Kovalchuk just won his third Gagarin Cup. Yeah, good for him. Uh, do you think he's going to make it to the Hall of Fame? Uh, I don't know. It's kind of, I I feel like I don't think he'll be in the Hall of Fame. I think he'll get votes. 
over like over time i think he'll get votes i just don't think it'll ever be enough i could see it i think i think it's possible i just don't think it's likely i don't know i just don't see the way that they vote likely to be a thing that puts him in the hall i i don't know would i vote for him maybe it depends on the class but I, he wouldn't be on my like a list of guys to put in the hall of fame, but he would not be far off. He's a great player, but his career was good, you know, at times dominant. And yeah, maybe with a better supporting group in Atlanta, he would have won more. Um, so maybe that puts him in the hall of fame, but I just don't think that that's what hall of fame voters are really looking for. How many guys do I have tracked at like four or five games? Uh, I don't know. Uh, let me, let me, let me, let me do that. Let me, let me find out for you. Um, but, uh, it's, I mean, most guys are hovering around three, except for the guys that I've finished data sets on. I, I have a few guys I'm working on trying to get as many guys up to at least three as I can right now. The number of names added is very, very limited. Um, I've been tracking a lot of new names recently, names that I've been kind of putting off for a while. Um, so let me sort by number of games tracked. So I'm up to 95 players at three or more, which is where I'd feel somewhat comfortable about their sample. Uh, do you track seven games of every player you can? Every player I can. Um, I try, I try to do as many as I can. Uh, I think I've blown through my my uh total from last year already which is pretty good uh but my goal is to get a comfortable read on as many players as i can that doesn't necessarily mean seven but like once you get up to five i think things really stabilize unless you have an absolutely outrageously different game um but things tend to give you a pretty good gauge of what's going on uh once you get past four into like the five region um but yeah I try to do as much of every player that I can. And, and there's a lot of guys where I go, you know, like I watch one game, you know, sometimes there's guys that look good for an individual little shift or something or a little play they make that catches your eye. And I do a game and I go, okay, yeah, no, this isn't, you know, I might've just been, you know, not, it just, it's not what I thought it was. And that sometimes happens. Like Jeremy Schumelin is one of those guys with local Yaroslavl where I did a game and kind of went, eh, I saw someone ask about Guillaume Richard. I did a game of his and then I, I watched more of him after to be really sure. And I don't really think there's a ton there, but I do have him on my list to circle back to be sure. But he's a weird one that I haven't really enjoyed. Um, who else? Uh, but yeah, usually I won't just like write a guy off. I'll do more games. Um, but yeah. Uh, but also like just because I track one game doesn't automatically mean, uh, that that's all I've seen of the player. I'm watching these guys a lot. Uh, and it just sort of, you know, tracking is more intensive. And so it's like, it's like the barrier. Would I be interested in seeing what the data actually looks like based on how this player plays? And that's what brought me back to Peter Reynolds is I was watching more tape of him and I went, all right, you know what? Let's check him out again. Um, I still am a bit skeptical, but you know, I'm glad that I'm circling back. Uh, so I do try to do as much as I possibly can. Like if, I mean, to get to seven games for everyone I've started now, I'd need to do five a day until the draft, which is impossible. I just don't think that's possible. But if I can get up to like at least three for everyone and five for most of them, I think I'm happy. So I'll keep grinding, keep doing the thing. Um, 
But yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with that. At this point, how likely is it that Darlene doesn't end up being the best defenseman from the 2018 draft? Uh, he has been so much better since they changed the coach in Buffalo. I, I am not writing Rasmus Darlene off whatsoever. And if you are a general manager of the Buffalo Sabres, I will happily take him off your hands, Mr. Mr. Etienne. Highest ceilings for this year's top 10. I love Fabian Lee Sell. Um, I, I love how he plays. William Eklund could be a really good player as well. I think Luke Hughes' ceiling is very high, but the probability of getting there might be a bit a little bit tough. Um, I'll say the two Swedes, Eklund and Lee Sell. I think their ceilings are like right there, way up at the top here, way up. Um, any QMJHL or WHL rookies to get excited for next year's draft? Danton Matichuk, I think, is a next year's draft guy. In Moose Jaw, he's really good. Um. Tristan Luneau in Gatineau is, is also looking pretty good. Uh, there's a guy, uh, Marcus Vidicek in Halifax looks fun. Uh, WHL rookies, 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 rookies. Oh, um, Connor Geeky, I think, is a 2022. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure. I'm really excited for next year's draft. I think there's going to be a lot of really interesting players uh, coming up for next year. Second round power forward, uh, Prokhor Poltapov. Let's pull that one out uh have you ever heard of jacob altricker uh no i haven't he hasn't been poking out i haven't been paying too much attention to the czech game uh the guy on czech republic that i kind of liked is simon marha he's pretty he's pretty interesting um but the, you know like they're 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 a pretty okay team i like thomas hamara for next year as well he's looked pretty good for the czechs um uh, david Juracek is disgusting though he's he's the guy there i think do you think Carson Lambos could fall to Detroit second first round pick? Yeah, probably. I mean, I think Carson Lambos could slip. He's been hurt. He was okay in Finland. Um, I don't know. I think he's he could very easily be a guy that goes 10th overall, but also 30th. I have no idea. Um, but I think it's possible he could be available with your second first round pick. What site am I using for what? Uh, I'm using it for... Oh, geez. 5-3 check. Uh, I'm using the... Um, hockey tv streaming package just for the month uh num num apologies i'm just going to check the score of the latvia game i uh, i'm not really watching it 2-1 see this is why you can't take too much from this tournament canada is 2-1 up on on Latvia going into the second period a day after they beat Sweden 12-1. to um, And Logan Stankoven has two points. Therefore, Logan Stankoven first overall. Yes, you can take a whole lot from this. this uh, the, uh, time to go home. Um, but seriously. Uh, you know, people are already starting to look at the Swedes and going, this guy sucks. This guy sucks. This guy's not as good as I thought. Look at how, look at this guy getting burned. Look at this and this and this. It's like, Sometimes it's people who simultaneously say that we can't take a whole lot from one game performances and they'll turn around and look at how badly the Swedes are playing and going, wow, these guys are terrible. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of funny. Uh, so now I guess we can turn around and look at Canada and go, why aren't they destroying this Latvian team? They must be terrible. Uh, or they party too hard last night, making up some pretty crazy uh, rumors. Um, not that I'm gonna, because I don't, I don't want to do that. 
If you had, if you had to use your tier system for food, what's one A? Ooh. All right. Not, this is an answer that everybody gives, but not much beats a good pizza. Like there's a place uh, in Oakville, I forget what it's called. Um, and it's awesome. They, we, oh, it's so good. Uh, but like really good pizza, you know, whether it's like more artisanal, like traditional Italian stuff. Like there was a pizzeria in the neighborhood I used to live in, in Toronto. That was awesome. They made a pizza once with, with arugula and, and cantaloupe on it. And like amazing, 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 amazing. Um, but other than that, like, if I'm talking junk food, I could eat, I could eat nibs, like nibs or super nibs or something like that until I, until I pass out. Um, I'm a, I'm a candy guy. I'm not so much a chocolate guy. Chips, sure, I'll, ch I'll chow on them. But if we're talking like junk food, 1A is like, you know, like super nibs or nibs. That's, that's usually what I'm doing, what I'm going for. But if I'm like making food, I love roasting chicken thighs if we're talking like 1a rock solid dinner chicken thighs are cheap and they are very good i mean roasting a chicken is also pretty good but i mean like chicken thighs there's something about them where you're just like yeah these are dope um and like i could eat those a lot um like i'm not a huge steak guy not a huge red meat guy Good. We made a bowl of chili. We made a pot of chili a couple of weeks ago that turned out pretty good. Secret ingredient uh, is cocoa powder. My dad tipped me off on that. And putting a tablespoon of cocoa powder in your chili, uh, so good. Uh, thoughts on Guillaume Richard? Yeah, I kind of gave some brief thoughts. I thought he was okay last night too, but I don't know. I don't know. I still don't quite see a whole lot of upside there. And I mean, his USHL data has been underwhelming. Um. Watching the Canada-Latvia game, Gustav Zozalinch is pretty impressive. Yes, I do have my eye on him. That's why he's on my watch list, my friend. Uh, he was on my watch list to start the year, actually, and I kind of watched him a lot to get a gauge, and I just felt that there wasn't enough there, and he's gotten a lot better. Uh, he's looking a lot more confident, a lot more skilled, um, really good puck distributor. I like him, but I'm, I'm going to need to watch a bit more of him in isolation. But yeah, he is one of the more impressive players on Latvia for sure. Uh, if you could get a fourth overall in one of the next three drafts, which would you, which draft would you want? If I could get fourth overall, uh, I'll say next year because I'm more familiar with that group and they're looking pretty good. And 2023 is still a long ways away. And the 2022 group looks pretty good. Elias Salomonsen looked good for fin for Switzerland or for Sweden last night. Um, I mean, Shane Wright is available. Uh, Brad Lambert is available. Ivan Moroshnashenko is available. Like 2022 is looking pretty good. So I think I'll take that uh, and see what happens with 2023. Is Casa a bona fide first rounder? Or is he putting up great numbers on a stacked team? Both. I think both is true. I think he's a good goalie. I mean, in this year's draft, like, I don't know. If I'm sitting at a draft table and it's like 26th overall and he's still on the board and I've got my goalie guy or my goalie people, just like, we got to take him. I don't care that it's the first round gimme him and i went okay like as long as someone like logan stankoven isn't on the board or a mason mctavish or even an isaac rosen or simon robertson if someone's really pounding the table and really 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 wants sebastian casa i think it's perfectly legitimate i think he's good but his team is very good 
his team is very, very good, um, but but he's also good. They're both true. Uh, Assalamu alaikum, Hashu. What's going on, my friend? Got a question about those high IQ players, especially defensemen. I'm under the impression that they're improperly valued because they're scouts. Okay, got to read this slower. Uh, I got a question about high IQ players, especially defensemen. I'm under the impression that they are improperly valued because scouts' biases affect the determination of IQ plays. Um... Well, let me let me outline kind of how I view it with defensemen. So, like, in what situations are defensemen asked to think, right? Like, away from the puck, I think a big thing to note is how do they behave on defensive entries. If it, you can you can say that it's smarter for a defenseman to ease off on their gap and wait and wait out the player until they find the right moment you could say also that it would be smarter for them to keep a tight gap and and be really tight on the guy and and all that stuff it you can get away with one or the other and one or the other has strengths and weaknesses you just have to know what to look for to to me the most important iq situations like it's not necessarily do they get to the front of the net and protect the goalie do they you know whatever it's what happens when a turnover happens so for me, a low IQ play from a defenseman is just the puck is on my stick and you fire it directly at an opponent, whether it's in the neutral zone or whatever. Um, that to me is not a very high IQ play. You're just getting the puck and firing it up the ice because you just don't want it near you. Uh, a guy like Brent Johnson, I think, has the signs of having a real high problem-solving IQ to him where he'll cause a turnover in the defensive zone. And he'll kind of stay calm under pressure, move the puck around a couple of times, you know, through one guy, maybe two guys, open some space, and then dish the puck to a guy who's open, right? Like being able to spot open line mates and just diffuse pressure. Jack Peart does it really well. I think in open ice, he can manipulate opponents, draw them into one side. Someone I was talking to last night referenced to it, uh, referenced to it as gravity, so their sense of gravity to attract players in, manipulate them, and move pucks around and, and move it elsewhere. Peart does that really well, too. That he's, He might be one of the best in the draft with that. Um, and so, to me, these kinds of things all feed into IQ. Like, offensively, if you're in the offensive zone and a defenseman, like Brant Clark, I don't really think Brant Clark using skill and agility to step up from the blue line is necessarily, like, high IQ. But... It is a high IQ play for him to do that and then also know that, okay, I have a clear shot at the goalie from the middle of the ice, which I might be able to fake and send a puck to the guy that's got an open lane to the right wing for a one-timer. You know, like being able to read where your line mates are, know when to find them and how, and manipulate opponents is kind of where I look at IQ. And for defensemen, like, that's a big part of it. But, like, on defensive plays, to me, it's like, when do you need a defenseman to really think and use their brain? To me, it's when to challenge puck carriers on defensive rushes and what do you do when the puck is turned over? Like, grinding down defensive cycles, everybody needs to do that. If you, if you don't do that, it, from time to time at least, it, it, it'll be tough to be an NHL defenseman. Um, but to me, that doesn't really mean a high, an IQ thing. The rest of it, it's like, what do you do once you get the puck? 
Uh, Christopher Berber Berberian. Hello, Will. No question this week. Just wanted to say I love your work and insights. Thank you, Chris. That, that's, that's very meaningful. Um, I always say I'm not perfect. What I've got is not the be-all, end-all. I'm certainly going to be wrong a lot. Uh, every year I stick my neck out more and more and more and make my list look more and more ridiculous compared to most lists. Um, but I feel pretty in tune with what's going on out there. And uh, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Um, but thank you very much. Uh, I'm glad that, uh, that you enjoy it. And uh, I certainly am not going anywhere anytime soon in terms of doing this work in some way, shape, or form. Uh, your opinion on the Duran situation and if media can be too harsh on players and have a responsibility towards players and their well-being. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't really want to go into too much detail because I don't know what's happening and I don't think anyone does. You know, look, the way that I frame situations like this is what if I was Jonathan Drouin, regardless of what was happening, right? Like, it's nice to know that people are concerned about him obviously like it'd be you're you're kind of a jerk if you if you don't have the player's mindset in mind and like i think i think being a professional athlete i never have been i never will be but i think it is extremely important if you're gonna be a fan of a ho of a hockey team or whatever it is extremely important it's not necessarily on the media to do this there are some members of the media who will be disingenuous and and write stories that are false and they know it is or misleading and they know it is and they're just grifting and they're you know it's it's just bad journalism but i don't think that's really again i'm not a montreal fan i don't really follow a whole lot of montreal media but from my read on the outside of the situation is that the media is not necessarily the issue but have you ever read instagram comments ever on anyone I, I am convinced that there are bots that are built just to find the meanest Instagram comments and upvote them because I refuse to believe that there are that many awful people out there that, like, if I'm a player, I don't have Instagram. Twitter, sure, maybe, and just close your DMs uh, because at least then, like, whatever, you can mute and block and all that stuff. On Instagram, people are vicious a lot of the time. Um... And so I think it's more on like the responsibility of fans, like NHL play athletes that are professionals, any athlete really that is playing for you. They're not circus animals. They are human beings most of the time, unless you're like doing equestrian and their horses or something like they're human beings. Um, and no, I haven't tracked Robin Van Kelster. There's no video of him now. And I probably won't track him. Yusaku Ando, probably not either. Um, but like it's i think a lot of it is on the fans and it's like they're not they're not circus animals they're people they have lives and i cannot even begin to imagine the kind of lifestyle that being a professional athlete puts on you it is incredibly physically exhausting it is incredibly high high danger to your body it is incredibly i mean like you're playing hockey for decades of your life i love hockey but that is a lot of hockey to play and mentally to be able to do that is mind-boggling to me at that high level and especially for a player like jonathan drouin who for his entire junior career was a god and and people looked at him as a god and depending on who you ask he thought of himself as a bit of a god 
but he went through some real issues with Tampa and getting ice time and getting ready for the NHL and being successful in the NHL. And then he gets traded to the Montreal Canadiens and he's from Quebec and it's this huge deal and he's their new top line center and blah, 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 blah. And he's a good player for them. But the point is like, we don't know what's going on in other people's heads. We never know. And I find it really insulting and disrespectful for people to call him something like a crybaby because he makes millions of dollars and why should he be complaining because he's playing the sport that I love. It's like, you know what? A lot of people love hockey, but I think that you have to love hockey to the point of like obsession to be in a kind of position that Jonathan Drouin is in, especially valued with money the way that he is. And the mental toll that can take is not for everyone, I don't think. And especially as the game is getting bigger, we have this weird mismatch of, you know, you have to be this strong, quiet, confident person, but also be a superstar, and you have to deal with the celebrity and the attention that that brings you. And and if you have the personality that can be, that can play along with that, like a PK Subban or something, it's still not good enough. He still gets people in his Instagram comments saying horrible things about him or saying horrible things about Lindsey Vaughn or saying horrible things just about his play. You know, like you still get that. So my opinion on the Durant situation is like, look, if he's having issues, yeah, let him take some time. I don't know why or how everything is happening with him and it's not my business and I don't really care. But this past year has been really, really, really hard for a lot of people. I don't care how much money you make. I don't, I don't care. Unless, unless, unless what someone with a lot of money is sad about is the stock market went down and they lost a bunch of money and they're already worth like a billion dollars. My empathy is kind of limited for that, but that's not Jonathan Drouin. He's a professional athlete who is, I mean, I can imagine playing in the NHL this season is very, very stressful. Uh, and I don't know if there's other stuff off the ice, but it's not my job and it's not my place to explore that. Um, but I, I think that if anything, it's more on the onus of fans. Fans of sports can be horrible and not nice to each other, not nice to the players that they think they cheer for. Like, it's, it can be bad. And social media amplifies all of that. And Jonathan Drouin is around my age. And I know that at my age, like I'm 30, I wouldn't be particularly comfortable with having a massive, massive social media presence and people constantly, you know, just right in there. And and especially with the work that I do, I get a little bit of it with, you know, idiots and jerks being those people. And it happens, but... I, I can manage it, but I'm not Jonathan Joanne because I'm not making millions of dollars playing this game in front of millions and millions of people all the time. I don't really want to. Um, but anyway, I'm going on for too long about it. I, I, I think that, you know, I think the media has been relatively charitable uh, today about Joanne, but um, but I, I think with I think with him, he's going to get what he needs. Um, and again, if I ran an NHL team, I would be advising all of my guys to be like, look, you can have social media, but never read the comments. 
don't post very often, don't spend much of your time on there, and, you know, try to keep things in focus. They're just people on the other end, and they're not, you know, you're never probably going to meet them, or they're, you know, whatever. Like, it's whatever. It's a separate universe there. It's a, it's a separate universe that can suck you in and take you away from the current universe. Not saying that's what's happening with Druan, but if that's part of it, I can easily see it. Uh, but anyway, let's let's move on. I hope he gets the help he needs. I hope he's fine. Um, that's all I can really say. Uh, but honestly, not saying any fans in here are those types of fans, but they're out there, and there are a lot of them, and there are organizations that support them and enable them and, and egg them on, and whether they're explicitly doing so or not, it happens. Um, Fyodor Svechkov does look promising, Mr. 2001. Yes. Yes, he does. He is very good. How do I watch CHL games? Uh, always through Instat because of McKean's. So thank you very much, McKean's. Matthew Ward is an 04 for 2022. Yes, he is. I have not seen him though. Which round do you think William Stromgren will go? I bet he goes in the first. I honestly think he could. He's big, skilled. He can move. Uh, he's inconsistent, but he's 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 good when he's good. Big and skilled. I think he's maybe a late first round pick. But if he's in the second, I I'm, I'm happy with that idea. Stankoven or Rosen? Who do you take? I go I go Stankoven. Ever heard of Matvey Kokovin? Kokovin? I have not heard of him, but I'll check him out. Unless that's a joke. Like a, like a, oh no, he's real. Okay, I'll check him out. Added to the list. Uh, also, when the border opens, give me your favorite brewery in Toronto. Well, Austin, I imagine we'll go. Uh, um, uh, my favorite is Blood Brothers. That's my favorite brewery in Toronto. Uh, I can't remember where it is. It's been so long since I've been there, but it is awesome. Uh, they had a ghost chili beer sour, which was awesome. Uh, I really, really like that place. They make great beer. I used to live near Bandit Brewery. Really nice place too. Um, in West Toronto, uh, the Indy Ale House is in that area as well. That's a really nice one. But 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 Blood Blood Brothers is around like Ossington and Bloor, and it is top of qualitya. With COVID, do you think there will be a huge variation on where players are ranked versus drafted? Absolutely. Um, yeah, there's going to be, it's going to be a, it's going to be a gong show. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Hines, what's up? If you had to decide between Michkov and Bedard, uh, or Wright and Lambert, which duo do you take? I think Michkov Berard, but it's not, they're not far apart, but Michkov Berard is, 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 are bananas. Um, for sure. I just don't know beyond that who will be the premier guys like Charlie, Charlie Stromel, uh, has looked good for the U S team this year, uh, in the under 18s and he's on that draft, but I'm not super super uh in tune <clears throat> japanese people add chocolate to chili so cocoa powder is a good suggestion yeah man it is good it is a good one is there a player in this draft that you believe the league they played in hurt their draft stock lower tier so more than covid cancellation i mean chase stillman has been like okay for the canadians this year and he played in like the danish junior league yeah i don't know um and yeah, with Robin Van Kelster and Yusaku Ando, I haven't tracked any of them. I mean, I've seen Yusaku Ando play a few times. I like Kenta Isagai, the Japanese guy for next year's draft on that team, but I don't know. Ando just doesn't really move the needle for me, honestly. And and Van Kelster, I checked him out a bit. Again, one of the better players on the German team this year, but not, I don't know, again, not much of a needle mover. Uh, Jimmy Finland Hardiv, I'm not going to touch him. I don't have him on my list. He's a good skater, and that's about where it ends, honestly. That's my view of him. I've seen him a lot. I don't know. I, I think he's a mobile guy, but he's not a good defender. He's not a great passer. 
He's a good puck carrier, but it's not great either. Just really mobile. And I don't know. I'd ra- if I want mobile and good, I'm gonna I think I'm gonna take um an Alexi Hamasalmi. Like Swomi is one of the worst defensive transition guys I've tracked. And like he like right there. That right there, that was really spooky. Blows a tire on a really easy defensive transition because he's just he makes a turn and blows a tire because he's and he but he pulls into that turn really quickly because he can, but there was really no reason for it. Um, I don't know. I didn't really think there was, I, I, that, that was just very funny that that happened right in front of me as, as I was talking about him. Uh, will Ken Johnson skating hold him back? Um, I don't know because he's not done developing. I mean, it could, um, but if it improves and like, if he gets, he needs to get stronger. He's just not great at generating speed in a straight line and adapting to pressure. He just kind of beelines and then stops and uses skill to sort of move around. And like, I don't know, that's a pretty fundamental change to his game if he gets the skating ability and the agility and like the thought processing at that speed. Because he tends to slow things down and and navigate around pressure. Uh, I don't know. I think Ken Johnson is a very strange case study this year. Um... I don't know. I don't know if I would draft him super high, but if he goes super high, I'll be very curious to see how his career goes. Cause he could be, you know, a heck of a player. I just, I don't know where, I, I don't know what likelihood that personally would be. Uh, PK brings so much personality, which is something it desperately needs. It's tough. Yeah. I mean, I like PK Subban in terms of like following him on, on Instagram and, we need more people like him. It's just the fact of the matter. That's just how professional sports businesses are built. You know, personality and legitimate, you know, hockey has a lot of made-up bullcrap in it that doesn't mean anything. It's a lot of preconceived notions and perceptions about what a hockey player represents and what they mean to this and this and this and oh, you have to stay within this very well-defined box and you have to be this kind of person or else people don't like you. Frankly, I don't know. I love the idea of more hockey players being themselves more. You know, like seeing, you know, I, I get it. I think I think there needs to be a, a few players who are ahead of the curve on that front. I think P.K. Subban was a nice early wave of it. I mean, like also... The NHL did used to be kind of fun. Their slogan was the coolest game on earth. They had, uh, there were like hockey cards with the, with guys like in really goofy costumes and stuff in the nineties. I think if I remember, um, I don't know. There's a whole bunch of stuff, uh, that I feel like went away with, you know, or at least kind of went away when social media became a thing or in the two thousands when we really like Jeremy Roenick was very boisterous uh dominic Hoshik also was very you know had a bit of a personality to him and it just seems like in the era of social media the reaction to it wasn't let's leverage this and make players feel cool about being nhl players and instead it was like we need to pull back and prevent people from you know putting themselves out there because of what people might think and our superstars are you know, extremely talented, but Americans still think that hockey is a sport that has fighting in it. And that's like what it's known for, which I think is bad. You don't want to be in that situation, right? Like if you want to watch fights, watch UFC. 
but Americans should want to watch hockey because of the idea of speed and skill and power plays and, you know, killing penalties and saves, you know, things that are not enabled by defensive approaches to the game and, you know, really safe personalities, you know, like Connor McDavid is the most exciting, one of the most exciting athletes on the planet, in my opinion, like, honestly, I honestly believe that he's one of the most exciting, like when you watch him play his sport, like Lionel Messi is tremendously exciting to watch play in his sport, right? Fernando Tatis Jr. has a hell of a personality and he's a lot of fun to watch, um, but he's not necessarily at that elite level. You know, Michael Jordan had a personality, right? Like they made a, they made a whole documentary series about him. If they made a whole documentary series about Connor McDavid, no one would watch it. No offense to Connor McDavid, but that's the best player in the game. And I can't, like, it should be ingrained in my memory the the crazy stuff that Connor McDavid is capable of doing. And I watch a lot of hockey and I wouldn't say that it is, you know, but I still remember some of the stuff from the nineties when I was a kid, but maybe that's just because it imprinted on my memory better. But anyway, I'm, I'm going off a lot. I just feel like, you know, the game, you want to grow the game. Well, the, there's a lot of made up crap in the sport that just does not make sense to me as a, as an outsider. And there's a lot of there's a lot of people who work in the industry that I don't know. It just there's a lot of like we can't do this because of this made up thing that we've stuck to for decades. You know? Like that's a big part of it. You know, we've I learned from people who thought this way and I I can't rock the boat, right? NHL players, I had veterans tell me not to do this and this and this and this or coaches tell me don't do this, don't do that, don't do that because that's how it's always been. It's like, all right, fine. Like whatever. Uh, you know, like I was watching NFL draft interviews and all of the prospects are like, look, if you want to, if you want someone, I think someone tweeted it out. It's like, if you literally want your quarterback to never get a sack draft me. And I'm like, you know what? Imagine, imagine Logan Stankoven put that out there. Something like that. You know, I'd be over the moon. It would be awesome. But with scouts like that, right? It's like, what if he doesn't? What if he fails? It's like, okay, great. Good start. Good starting point, guys. Um, okay. I got to start banging through this here. Uh, is that Google Sheets? Yeah, it's Google Sheets. I uh, use it all of the time. Quick thoughts on Lafreniere versus Stutzla. I, I take Lafreniere. Um, I like both the players. I think it's still very early to be definitive about either of them. Thoughts on Malatesta? I don't have him ranked. I don't, I, again, similar to like a Peter Reynolds. I think he's going to be a decent junior player and I don't know about pro upside. I just don't really see it. Do you think Justin Robidaw has his own island too, but more seriously, is he worth looking into? He might be worth looking into, but I tracked a game of his and he wasn't super outstanding. He's okay. Um, but I'm not, 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 I don't know. I, I, I think again, like he's better than a guy like Malatesta, I think, but I still just don't know if he's enough of a needle mover. Just didn't really do a whole lot, but had some interesting moments. But again, like, eh. And he's playing on a really good line with like Nathan Legare and uh, Jacob Peltier. Um, you know, like Valdor has a lot of names and I feel like they're driving a lot of the bus for Robida. But he's not, he's not horrible. But I mean, if you're looking at like a five foot eight, five foot nine guy like him, you got to be up here. And I don't, I don't think he's quite there. Like I'd much rather draft a Marcus Almquist than a Justin Robida personally, like much, much rather. And I think Almquist you could get if you're a, 
Leafs fan like like Hart of Lad, Marcus Almquist could very well be a guy that you look at with one of those later picks they have. Uh, Wa also did have a huge personality, sir. Yes, that's true. Um, yeah, doing Dominic Hoshik doing full on splits in the shower, wearing nothing but a pair of boxers. I mean, I think the NHL has had that with guys like Joe Thornton and Brent Burns. Uh, and the Sharks do do a good job of that kind of vibe to their team. And Toronto is doing it a bit as well. Um, I just want that to be kind of more ubiquitous, I guess. It'd be, it'd be nice at least. And I feel like it would be easier on your players to like, let them be themselves. And like, if they make mistakes, you can manage that, right? Like any organization of people that are that closely intertwined, like, I don't know. It feels like a lot of work to live with a lot of arbitrary rules that don't really make sense. And you don't allow people to even come close to making mistakes by being themselves. Right? Like no. Oh, Hey, Masami's down. Rig off. Uh, anyway. Um, all right. I gotta, let's finish her off here. Um, you should make a video one day of how you set up your spreadsheets or for stat tracking. Uh, I try to keep that kind of close to my chest because I, you know, a lot of my data is paywalled and, and patrons get access to it, but it is something that I've thought about, but it's, it's, it's a lot less complicated than I think people, some people might think it's very, very straightforward. Um, this is a five, five hockey game right on. Um, who are interesting guys on your watch list to look for in the seventh round? Not likely that Poshin falls that low. Yeah. On the watch list, <laughs> for Carolina, you're a Carolina guy. Dario Sidler would be a lot of fun. He's playing for the Swiss this year. He's a lot of fun. Uh, who else? Dmitry Zugan could be a fun one to swing on late. Um, Daniil Bashkarov was good at the World Juniors. He could be a guy a little further along, kind of like Kirill Slepets a couple of years ago. Uh, I like Gabriel Saul, not scoring a ton, but I think he could be a good complimentary option late in the draft. Jonathan Myrenberg as well. Um, there's a few, but I, of all of them, Dario Sidler probably, because him in a Carolina Hurricanes jersey with uh, with um, uh, Dominic Fensori would be great. Really, really, really great. Uh, do, do, do. Last question. All right. Do, do. Yeah, VLOOKUP it is VLOOKUP Central. Very much. Lots and lots of VLOOKUP. Um, Dovar Tinling is okay in Vermont. He's fine. I, I like him, but it's so hard to read on him because the Vermont team was not good. Um, but last question from Book Lao. What's up? Uh, thoughts on Heedle? Oh, um, yeah, I mean, Heedle is skilled, but it's always been a thing of putting it all together. I can't say I've seen a ton of them. Nice goal. Uh, nice clutch goal. I can't say I've seen a ton of them. So, I don't know. I don't I don't get to watch a ton of the NHL, to be perfectly honest. It's a lot of 2021 eligible. Samu Tuomala, baby. 6'5". Um, All right, uh, I'll do the last one, but then I got to call it a night, guys, because I'm very tired and I need to take my Tums. Uh, best prospects from the draft from non-hockey non countries. I mean, Yusaku Ando is an option. I wouldn't draft him, but he's an option and he's Japanese. Um, trying to think of other ones. Switzerland has a, has a half Spanish guy. Uh, that's pretty neat. Uh, his last name is Prada. Is kind of fun. Um, 
Let me just take a quick look at the list of guys eligible for this year. Uh, nationality. What do they got listed here? There's not a whole lot listed. I think Alex Graham is in here. Anyway, uh, we'll say Alex Graham and Yusaku Hondo. But anyway, I gotta call it a night, guys. My uh, my my internet is also telling me that I'm uh, my my bandwidth is being pooey. So thank you very much for joining me. This was lovely. Come back next week, Wednesday night. Um. So yeah. And yes, Dario Sidler is right-handed. You're welcome. Um, so thank you very much for joining me. We'll do this again next week. Stay tuned for more uh, of all kinds of different stuff coming down the pipe in the next little while. Um, some more videos next weekend. Um, all is well. And uh, thank you very much for joining me. Enjoy the tournament. Uh, thank you for joining me at the watch party if you were there. We might do another one if we can for the medal rounds. Um, but yeah, thank you very much. We will see you around. Uh, come back next week. Or just 